This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, hey, everybody. An exciting show we have for you today for this weekend. Uh, Carl Brower starts off the show here in hour one, automotive industry analyst, Forbes Autos contributor. He is a North American Car and Truck of the Year juror and board member. He's also an executive analyst for iccars.com. And Carl says the strike is over. Well, it's about time, Carl. How you doing? Oh, you know, I don't know, Alan. I think I need to go on strike. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to strike, and I'm going to. We all need demand. to go on strike. I want to. I want to. You know, seventy percent pay raise, and I want to work thirty-two hours a week. I you know. know. So. Me too. Maybe we could do that for Christmas or something. You Actually, know? wait a second. I just realized that if I demanded a thirty-two hour work week, I'd be working twice as much as I do. Oh, oh. Never mind, never mind. So I'm I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> uh huh. You're exactly right, freelance journalist. Yeah. Well, so um, I haven't been able to really watch the news because it makes me throw up a little bit. So uh, maybe you could fill us in for those like myself that go sick and tired of the news all the time and go, ah, I'd rather do anything than watch what's going on in the world because it's really sad. And I'm very happy because of what is going on in Israel and all the, you know, the Ukraine, all these things. I'm really glad that the strike is over. So give us an update on that. Yeah, well, they got a lot of what they wanted, you know, the UAW members wanted more pay and they got a pretty substantial bump. I believe it was around like 25% pay bump. I think they wanted 40%. So they got a good chunk of what they wanted. They got, you know, lots of incentives on, in terms of like some bonus pay and things that they're going to do. They've reduced the time it takes for people who start at the lower tiers and then they have to progress to get to the higher tiers of uh, payment a lot of people, I think the way it was before, you could never really get to the top tier or it took forever. And now you can mm. get there pretty quickly. And of course, the big one in my mind is that they are supposed to, although it seems like there's a lot of details that could maybe still derail this. But in theory, they have access to working in the battery plants, too, mm. which were not going to be union employed up until this strike and this resolution. But now the UAW is supposed to be the... Uh, the team that's working at these battery plants. Mm. And I find that tricky because batteries are expensive, Alan. Right. It's expensive to produce batteries and they're the most expensive parts of electric vehicles. Right. So you want to control those battery costs as much as possible. And you can't because the most expensive and volatile part are the rare earth metals that go into lithium and nickel and cadmium and all these things. All these things that go into these batteries, they're kind of like oil price of oil globally and they can spike up and down. So what you want to do is the things you can control, which is the cost of production and the um, cost you're paying your employees and all that, you want to make that as low as possible so that you can absorb the spikes when they come along in things you can't control, like the raw materials. Right. So I don't think it seems prudent to be acknowledging a higher 
baseline cost of production by letting union workers potentially increase the cost it takes to produce those batteries and you want to be competitive with like China and Korea and some of these other countries that are starting to make electric cars more and more often. So that one seemed like an awfully big give by the automakers that are trying to remain competitive, cost competitive in the EV world going forward. Right. But there you go. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, it's going to evolve. It's going to continue to evolve as we go forward because the world is going to continue to evolve and change. But it's just good that it's over, you know? Yes. Ugh, God. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> it's one less thing to have to worry about, you know? Right. It was just painful to watch. The whole thing was painful to watch, I got to tell you. It's like watching your well, parents you know, fight, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and you know, I mean, it's the same idea behind, like, say, minimum wage, right? Like, people say, I can't live on minimum wage. And, and some people, I'd be one of them, would say, I agree. That's why you shouldn't work for minimum wage. That's why minimum wage isn't supposed to be what you use to pay your bills. Right. Minimum wage is what people who are working for the summer and go to college or just started getting their driver's license and live at home or people who are retired and want to work part time. You know, to say that you have to pay someone a reasonable minimum wage amount is a good way to make hamburgers cost $10 a piece. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that. I saw somebody yeah. and they were actually saying they went to McDonald's and got like a, a, a you know, a double cheeseburger fries and a drink and it was like $16. I yeah. remember, you know, by being able to buy that for like six or seven bucks. It's more than doubled. Uh, let's take a yeah. break. Carl Brower's here. He's got a lot of stuff to talk about. Thank God the UAW strike is over. We'll be right back with more The Drive. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. Thanks to our friends at Dodge for sponsoring the show. Domestic, not domesticated. Carl Brower is joining us, iccars.com. And uh, Carl, we were talking you know, about batteries and the UAW and all that and how possibly the UAW employees, as part of their deals they made, will be able to work at a battery factory now. I know you've got some news about um, Toyota and the fact that, uh, well, somebody said I told you so, that sales aren't going so well. What's the story there? Well, first of all, you know, there's that code word which says, you know, I hate to say this, which 
is code for I love throwing this in your face. So just so we all know what we're talking about here. So, but I never say that because I don't hate to say I told you so. I I love to say I told you so. Yeah, it feels right. good to me, you know. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. I have been saying for a couple of years now. It's like you know this is not going to work. We're not going to have this massive flood of higher capacity, wider range of increased models of EV cars flooding this market and have all of them sell. Okay. Some point there's going to be a crash and a collision between consumer demand and manufacturer supply of EVs. Right. And guess what's happened in the last few months, Alan? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's just EVs are taking longer to sell. There's, sure. You know, of course, Elon started cutting his prices drastically last spring. Right. Because he realized he was having trouble hitting the sales numbers he wanted, and he decided it was better to hit the volume than it was to hit the profit margins that he was trying to go for. So he started lowering his prices. Him being the biggest player in the EV market, especially in the U.S., that forced all the other players to lower theirs to try to keep their cars selling. So you got a bit of a price war going on. And guess what always precedes a drop in sales? A drop in price. In other words, right. they drop the prices first. All that does is there's a term that you might have heard before. It's, it's called pulling sales forward. Mm. Meaning, you know, I'm thinking the next three months I might buy an EV. Whoa, they just dropped the prices on EVs by 20%. I'll go buy one tomorrow at that price. Okay, so now you just take three months worth of organic purchasing and crunch them all into a two-week period, the next two weeks period, because you lower the price. And then what happens? Now you've got nothing for the next two and a half months because you just pulled forward all those three months of sales because you dropped price. So we saw this during the recession. We saw the domestics get caught on this. It's ironic to me that, that Tesla, which don't forget, is ultimately another domestic automaker in the U.S. And pre-2008 recession, all the domestics were on that IV drip of incentives and lowering <laughs> prices, often losing money on cars because it was cheaper for them to lose money producing cars than was to try to not produce cars. So they had to try to flood the market with more cars than people wanted and, or were willing to pay for. And now wow. they're better at it. Generally speaking, the big three, the domestics have gotten better. They learned a harsh lesson when two of them almost went bankrupt in the Great Recession. But Tesla... He started lowering prices last spring and he kept lowering them and he kept lowering them and he kept lowering them and he was still having sales slip and they weren't. And this most recent quarter when he reported everything, guess what? He still didn't hit the sales numbers he wanted and the profit margins were down because he dropped the price so hard to hit the, whatever numbers he did get on sales. Right. So the short version is EVs are not selling A, like they were a year ago or B, more importantly, like all the manufacturers expected them to. And every single one of them is now making massive, drastic cuts to planned production, the production of new plants. I mean, there were supposed to be new plants being built now to produce batteries and cars, and they're starting to pull the plug on the plant, you know, to, to yeah. the plant construction plans. Mm. So, and I'm, by the way, I'm not the only one who said I told you so, even though he didn't necessarily use these words. The guy who runs Toyota, and you could argue the guy who runs Toyota or ran it for decades and is part of the Toyota family, he said, I told you so. He literally Ikea said it. Toyota, yeah. he was saying this years ago. He was right. saying, this is not a smart business model. I, we are I remember. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and it's funny because you talk about um, Tesla dropping the price. I have a friend. I was in Las Vegas for SEMA last week, and he drives up in a brand new Tesla. And I go... What are you doing? 
And he starts laughing. He says, well, we bought Tesla stock at $34 or something, <laughs> which I don't know what it is today, but he smiled real big. He said, I figured the least I could do is give him a little bit of his money back, you know, with it. And, but he only paid 49000 bucks for this thing, and it was really nice. And my brother bought one. So they are catching fish with that lure, by the way. We'll take a oh, break. They are. And uh, we'll talk more about this and a lot more here on the other side. It is The Drive. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged Crosstrek Wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. My buddy Carl Brower is on the show with us. He is on the uh, board of the North American Car and Truck of the Year, and he's also a juror. And he is here representing the uh, iccars.com. He's an executive analyst. And, and they just did a, a study that was released earlier this week. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I know that it's, it's always relative to the stuff we talk about here, Carl. What is the latest study from iccars.com? Well, this is a big one for us because it's um, resale value or, or retained value is uh, mm. the other term you hear. But it's essentially I buy a new car what's it worth five years later? And uh, the car that you want to buy is the car that's worth the most five years later, the car that has retained as much of that new value that you spent as possible. You know, we've all heard for decades, you know, new car loses 30% the moment you drive it off the lot. Well, it's not quite that extreme, but yeah, used cars are always worth far less than new. Everyone loves the idea of a brand new car that no one's owned before and a used car doesn't have that. But after five years, is that used car worth 25% 25% less than it was new, or is it worth 75% less than when it was new? Obviously, the one that's worth 25% less, you know, if you spent 20 grand and you only lost 25%, you still have a $15,000 car. If you lost 75%, you have a $5,000 car. That's a $10,000 difference in uh, how much money is out the window on that car you bought. So, well, and if you're, good, if you're, it's good uh, to know retained value. For sure. And if you're a card shark or a car shark, the way you and I are, you try and find the cars that are going to go up in value, which is such a rare thing. It does happen right. every now and then, and it's happened a few times in the last, let's just say, five years because of the world conditions, because of some yeah. interesting machines that have been made. But, uh, and that's, you know, we're like professional card sharks or, or poker players or whatever. It's like, it's very rare, I'll tell you, but every now and then, even a blind squirrel gets a nut. And I've, I've been lucky, you know? <laughs> so. No, you're 100% right. And so the fascinating thing is that prior to the pandemic, if you just said, I just bought a new car, I don't know what kind it is, what brand it is, what type it is, and I'm going to guess, or someone said, I just bought a new car, Carl, what's it going to be worth in five years? I'm not telling you anything more. If I said 50% of whatever you just paid, I'd have been right within about a 5% either side of that number for probably 80 to 90% of cars. Right. In other words, most cars are worth about half of their new car price about five years later. That's right. been the rule. Yep. But 
that was before the pandemic, as Out you the just window. noted. And yeah, uh, right. yeah, now we just did our study. And what's the average five-year-old car worth after five years in today's world? It's lost 38.8% of its value. So oh. not even, you know, not just over a third and certainly not half of its value. So all cars are worth more. All used cars are worth more today than used cars from 2019. So, so let me, let me clarify. Crazy. Right. That if it was, you know, a few years ago before the pandemic, Carl would have said roughly 50%. Your car is worth yeah. half, roughly. Right now, your car is worth more like 62%. Yes. Which is yes. great news for the consumers. Right. If you own a car. Right. Now, if you're buying a used nah, car, you're screwed. It's, it's the old thing. Just like, you know, gee, my house is worth way more money. Yeah, cool. I'm going to yeah. sell it and buy something. Cool. What do you think all the other houses are worth? Yeah. Oh, probably a lot more, too. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't really gain anything. So, well, yeah. so that's, and then, that's then the issue. Here's the other part. The inflation, the money's worth less. So technically, yes. it's all kind of a mind game anyway at yes. the end of the day. Yeah. Ugh. That's true. That's yeah. true. If you bought a car five years ago for forty thousand, and now it's worth, you know, thirty thousand, it only lost a quarter of its value. Thirty thousand dollars doesn't buy today what it bought five years ago. So that's an unfortunate part. <laughs> so it's an um, illusion. It's oh, yeah. But when you break it out, now that's average. So again, the average car, average car across all vehicle types, five years old, lost forty nine point six percent. Call it half today. 38.8%, meaning it still has 61.2% of its value left. So it's a good substantial amount more they're yeah. all worth. But when you break it out, okay, the most valuable cars, the cars that have lost the least are, this is not going to surprise anyone, trucks at 34.8% is all they've lost. So they really wow. have lost approximately a third. You know, right. 33.3 would be a third. Yeah. They're barely down just over a third. And I'll give you one guess on what vehicle types have lost the most. Alan, actually, I'll give you three guesses, but you only need one. Let's just say you and I were just discussing them. What do you think loses the Hold most Hold on. Let me unplug the vehicle you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Now, if you're still looking to lose 50% of your vehicle's value in five years, guess what? Oh. Buy an electric car. They still lose 49.1% of their value. So just Anything under, barely. The, the government says is a good idea. Uh, yeah, you know the rest. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the main causes among many that cause electric vehicles to go down in value is, think about this, Alan, bottom line is you base residual value on a new car's MSRP. Let's say you're going to go buy a $30,000 electric car, but you get a $7,500 credit from the federal government and you get a $2,500, which you do in California, credit from the state government. You get a $10,000 incentive based on buying that car. So before you've even bought that $30,000 electric vehicle, what's it really worth, Alan? Yeah. $20,000, yeah. because that's all it really cost you to buy it. So incentives play havoc. Massive incentives on any vehicle plays havoc with its resale value, because mm. you still, you can't say, well, then the car really was only 20. No, what was the MSRP? Well, it was 30000 And what did the person actually have to pay when they were done with incentives? 20000 Okay, the car lost 30% of its value, did lose 30% of its value the moment you drove it off the lot, because you only paid twenty grand for a $30,000 car, and it just drops further from there. <laughs> My buddy on the way to Las Vegas from L.A., he said he had to stop, and, and it took 40 minutes to charge that's the part that gets me we'll take a break and there's more with carl brower stay with us attention 
attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And joining us right now is Carl Brower, industry analyst for iccars.com, and they've got a study out. Has your car lost a lot of value, or is it holding its value? So now the question is, Carl, I know there's a list somewhere of all these cars, and people can go to iccars.com iccars.com and they can check out where does their car sit in whether or not they made a good investment I think I did with my Jeep all, all I can say is that I watched Jeeps and I know you and I have both you know we're again we're card sharks or car sharks we watch and we try and make an educated decision on which one will hold its value the best so that we can have fun with it and get our money back and maybe make some money or not lose too much. Can I say it like that? And um, so I want to know about the list. Where is the secret list from iccars.com? Yeah, we've got it at the website. You can certainly go there. You go look at the uh, studies, which you go up to the, they call it the global nav. But, you know, you go to the website, iccars.com, and then in the top, there's buttons up there along the top bar. And one of them is studies. Okay. And uh, you go up there and you can find... Actually, it's research. If you scroll over research, then the top thing is studies that drops down from there. Okay. You go to the research tab and you pull up the latest one, and we'll have the top 25 and the bottom 25, the ooh, cars that ooh. are the 25 cars that lose the least and the 25 cars that lose the most value after five years. And number one on that list, which surprised even me, and I'm the one trying to be the car shark, as you're talking about, right. is a Porsche 911, which happens to be one of the cars I bought in the last six months because I just have wanted one forever and uh, I finally got my dream Turbo S model. So wow. I bought that 911 and it's the number one car. By the way, do you want to take a guess, Alan? We were talking about cars losing 50%, but you know, right now we're down to 38.8% on average and, and trucks are only 34.8%. What do you think the Porsche 911 coupe loses after five years? Give if, me your guess. If I didn't know what we have been talking about and you asked me this in an elevator and you would ask me that about a Porsche, I would say, oh my gosh, yeah, maybe 50% because that's what happens with new cars that are expensive. They just, they drop like a rock in the first few years, but you're obviously yeah. going to tell me that that's not true with this car. Oh crap. The Porsche 911 coupe loses 
9.3% of its value wow, after five, five years. years five 9.3%, years. less so than 10% of its value. Unbelievable. Why is that? They're that not crazy, making Alan. What, That look, is crazy. Let's look at the psychology here. How could that be? It's, it's, it's so here's, here's the deal. And nuts. you are so right, by the way. All the cars on the top 25 list of cars that lose the most value, guess what they all are, Alan? Mm. Luxury nameplates. They're all luxury nameplates, okay? Mm. BMW 5 Series and 7 Series and X5s and Lincoln Navigators. These are the Range ones Rovers. that lose the most. The yes, correct. Yes, yes, they lose the most. So why does another luxury premium brand like a Porsche lose so little? Well, there's two factors, okay? First, the 911 has always been pretty good at holding its value. But yep. what changed since the pandemic, since so many things changed, when that first started and the lockdowns went, we saw this at IC cars. Coupes and convertibles was the first segment that shot through the roof, wow. followed closely by trucks, not surprisingly. And you're like, what's going on here? Why are trucks the least sporty, most like functional cars you can buy and coupes and convertibles, the least functional, most you know, selfish, you know, frivolous cars. How come those two segments are both going up? Well, trucks go up. They always go up when people are getting in post-apocalyptic concerns. And all. They uh, want right. a vehicle that, they, you know, they want a vehicle that, that maybe not is a cyber truck, but that cyber truck attitude, you know, this thing looks like it's ready for World War III. Right. But coupes and convertibles went up because people couldn't do anything else, Alan. You couldn't go out to dinner. You couldn't go to the movies. You couldn't go mm. on a vacation. The only way you could go have fun is if you got in your own car and drove around by yourself or with your family members, maybe. So people are like, if all I can do for fun is drive a car, I want the most fun car to drive. And so Challengers, Mustangs, everything that was a two-door coupe went up. And 911s are a relatively fun coupe within the fun coupe world. Mm. So the pandemic drove increased interest in sports cars. What's fascinating is we've been out of the pandemic, depending on how you want to define it, for anywhere from a year to two years. And it's not fallen. Hmm. The interest in sports cars, I think there was almost like a waking up of a lot of people saying, well, I want to buy one of these cars because that's all I can do for fun. And once I got them, I'm like, damn, I don't care about a pandemic anymore. I just want one of these cars because they're fun. I don't care what the, what's going on with <laughs> pandemics or not. So coupes are really, they're, they're all over. Alan, of the top 10 cars on the list, four of them are sports cars. It's Porsche 911 Coupe 1, Porsche 718 Cayman 2, wow. Subaru BRZ 6, and Chevrolet Camaro 7. So four of the top ten cars are two-door performance cars, two-door coupes. Well, the, get, hold on now. Get, Wait a minute. Give me the list in order. Don't jump on My brain is like frying. Sure. Now. So it goes 911 Porsche, 718 Cayman Porsche, the two Porsche sports cars. Yeah. Toyota Tacoma truck is third. Interesting. Jeep Wrangler and Wrangler yes. Unlimited is fourth. I'm in the top five. Ha okay. <laughs> yeah. Honda Civics, five. Wow. Subaru BRZ, six. Chevrolet Camaro 7, Toyota CHR, a small fuel-efficient SUV, Subaru Crosstrek, another small, efficient wow. SUV, and Toyota Corolla, a small, efficient sedan. So that's what's fascinating. Those are the top 10. Look at the spread you've got there. You've got a truck. You've got small SUVs. You've got two economy cars. So you've got, like, a little bit of everything, and that really is, is the world. You've got people out there who have money and they want fun mm. and they're paying whatever it takes to get the fun out of their sports cars. Yeah. You got functional people who want to be able to go off road and have a long life. That's a Toyota Tacoma or maybe a Jeep Wrangler person. And then you got people who don't have a lot of money to spend and they want as much fuel efficiency as possible because they don't have a lot of money to spend on gas after they don't have a lot of money to spend on the car. They're buying Civics, Toyota CHRs and Subaru Crosstrex and Toyota Corollas. Mm. So that's, that's, so that's it. Each one of those top 10 is very easy for me to understand. And by the way, number 11, Ford Mustang, number 12, 
Porsche 718 Boxster, that convertible version of number two, the mm. 718 Cayman. Mm. So two more sports cars in 11 and 12. And, and so these are the ones that held their value the most, the whole... The best. Yes, the, the best, I should say. The uh, the whole study is available at iccars.com. If you go to the Navi Bar and you hit research, it'll drop down, and then you put studies, and you can find this, and then you can see all the different vehicles. Uh, I'm going to take a break, but let me tell you, in 2006, I bought an F-150 loaded lariat four-wheel drive pickup truck and i was working at car and driver magazine at the time and i put car and driver down the whole side and i took it in i had a supercharger put on it but i remember sticker shock you ready for this the sticker <laughs> shock and and I'm, I'm serious this was like i was you know i was like thinking i don't even know if i can afford this was thirty-eight thousand dollars a fully loaded four-wheel drive that same truck today is about $58,000, okay? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in 2007, I bought a Shelby GT500 Mustang for 50 grand. You couldn't, I don't think you could touch that today for 50 grand, but uh, I know you're, you you want to talk about the 24 Ford Mustang also, the new 24, which it looks like it costs around that. But I mean, I was talking a GT500 Mustang Shelby. All right, we'll take a yeah. break. Uh, yeah, our money's not worth what it used to be. You're listening to The Drive. Carl Brower will be back with more with the study from iccars.com. Stay with us. What do you think a teacher's going to look like this year? The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Subaru Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And congratulations to Subaru because Carl Brower's here from iccars.com. And they've got, I think, Carl, I heard two of the top 10 vehicles yep. on your best, holding its value the best. Uh, but now, sadly, we're going to go into the things that don't hold their value quite so good. This study is available at iccars.com. And if you go to the navigation bar and you find research and then you click on that drop down, it says studies and you'll find out, you find out what your car is. Is, is it holding its value over the last five years? So we, we know the top 10, there's, there's a bunch more, I'm sure, but so we don't get run over by time here. Let's talk about the ones that held their values the worst. You and I were, were lucky to be in the top 10 of cars that we purchased. Thank God. That means we're pretty good poker players, at least in the car business, right? <laughs> Real quick on your Subaru thing, too. There's two more in the top 20. There's four Subarus in the top 20. Wow. Congratulations. Is a, is to Subaru. Toyota's the best. They got six. And then the next highest brands have four. And uh, Subaru is one of you know, the several brands that have four and Subaru is one of them. That's great. So, yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're good cars. They hold their value well. On the worst side, they're all luxury cars, Alan. Mm, like, literally, yeah, I'm I trying thought. to think if there's a, a single non-luxury brand in here. And I, don't, I think they all are all luxury cars. And I think a lot of people may know this, but it certainly makes sense, right? The people who buy luxury premium brands, Mercedes, BMWs, 
Audis, you know, Cadillacs. These are people who have plenty of money and they want those brands. But those same people, guess what they don't want, generally speaking, Alan? They don't want a used car. They want, right. they want a fancy new car. Right. And when their car isn't new anymore, they want another new fancy new car. A lot, a lot of people lease for three years who are wealthy. They lease these cars, and then after three years, they want a new one. And so the new car appeal doesn't exist for any used car, and that's why all used cars, almost all, unless you buy really great ones like you and I sometimes do. But generally speaking, used cars aren't worth as much as new because they aren't new. Right. Well, not new luxury cars, a lot of the market evaporates for those because the people who buy them new don't want used ones. They want the fancy new car. Why would I drive around? A, well, what would my neighbors think of us buying a, buying a used Cadillac? Ugh. So they drop more substantially than non-luxury cars. Because right. Give me the, the top market, 10. Just, Give me that. I got to know how who I can make fun of, I guess. Oh, that's so yeah. mean. <laughs> well, this is going to be, it is funny. So listen to this first worst car, Maserati Quattroporte. Oh, worst no. For resale value. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, do you want to hear how much it loses after five years? Just for perspective, the 911 loses 9.3% of its value after right. five years. Do you want to hear what the Quattroporte is? 90%. <laughs> 64.5%. Oh, 64.5%. Think about that. Oh. The best car is less than 10% and the worst car is at 64.5%. You know, round it to 65. Man. Right behind it is the BMW 7 Series mm. at 61%. The wow. Maserati Ghibli at 61%. Wow. The BMW 5 Series Sedan Hybrid at 58.8. Cadillac Escalade ESV at 58.5. Wow. BMW X5. Infinity QX80, they're all above 58%. Then you get to Maserati Levante, another Maserati, Jaguar XF for number nine, and the Audi A7 for uh, number 10. Q7 is number 11. Mm. So, and the Cadillac Escalade is number 12. So, yeah, all those cars, the best of those worst cars is the Escalade at number 12 is at 56.5%. And then they get higher from there going, you know, down and the you know, going up. You're the talking about cars that are. Cars and SUVs that are ninety, a hundred, one hundred twenty-five, hundred fifty thousand dollars. So when you lose fifty percent, you're losing a yeah. tall stack of money. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know what they used yeah. to say? If you have to ask how much, you can't afford it. And well, uh, there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and that number you just pulled is great because, like you said. We also have in this table, we have the cars, we have what they lose, and then we have the, the average difference from MSRP. So that Quattroportes, this isn't the average price of the car. This is the average amount that it's lost, $90,500. Oh. That's seven series. The average amount that it's lost after five years, $72,000. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Ghibli, 58000 The five series, 37000 This Escalade mm. ESV Cadillac. 63000 So you're right. You're losing $50,000, in five years by buying those cars. Good Lord. You know, one of the most eye-opening experiences for me a long time ago, not long enough ago for me to forget, though, was I bought an SL500 Mercedes-Benz with a retractable hardtop, the sports car. Beautiful car. Beautiful car. Mm. And I went in because the doggone air suspension, you know, on these things, whenever you see those Mercedes that yep. are all sitting on the ground, it's because the airbags are, you know, shot. And I said to the guy, what do I got to do here? He goes, well, you're going to have to probably spend a couple of two or three grand and get some new shocks. I go, is that all for all four shocks? He goes, no, that's just those rear shocks. <laughs> like, it was like $3,000 before it was all done. Then 
you know, I'd sat in my garage for a while and they have two batteries, one for the engine and one for all the accessories. Well, then I had to get new batteries and then, you know, for some reason it wouldn't go into gear. I couldn't get the, even the shifter to go out of the gear. And it was like, this car was evil. So the guy says to me, you know what? He goes, you got to remember that you didn't buy a $15,000 car, whatever you paid for it. You bought a $125,000 car and you're paying the repairs on a $125,000 car. <laughs> I don't care what you paid right. for it. All right, hang right. tight. We're going to come back. That whole study's at iccars.com. More with Carl Brower right after this. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And joining us is my buddy Carl Brower. He does everything in the car world. He and I have become friends over the last 15 or 20, what's it been, probably 20 years. Uh, yep. I think we were together that time. I, it may have been when we first met when I got an Aston Martin Airborne. Was that when we first met? <laughs> I think I knew of you for sure. I mean, how could I not? Well, legendary. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> certainly the first the first time we bonded, Alan, was when we were both flying through the air in somebody else's Aston Martin. Yeah, right. So we were talking about my Mustang that I bought in 2007 that was a GT500, and I got a black one, black on black, nice car, $50,000. And I thought to myself, I think the GT500 now is quite a bit more than that. I bought one, I think it was like 73, no, and that was a hard top, so the convertible would have been more. I bought one in 2020, so I got to think these things are in the, in the, you know, somewhere in the 70s now, maybe low 80s, whatever. But uh, you have recently been looking and dealing with this new 2024 Mustang. What do you know on this? So the Mustang for 2024 is not all new, but... Ford would like to tell you it's the new 2024 Mustang, you right. know, that it's substantially different from the 2023 and earlier. Well, it has some different exterior styling and they've tweaked the suspension a little bit, you know, and they've done some things with the drivetrains, but it's the same platform that they've had since 2015. That was the last real redesign of the Mustang. Right. And the truth is they don't want to invest a lot of money in things like Mustangs because there's, you know, it's hard to get the EPA standards that they want to get. And, you know, EVs are being jammed down their throat by the government agencies. So you're not going to see a lot of investment in these kind of cars. GM killed the Camaro for 2024. 
Dodge killed the Challenger. So it's all, it's Mustang or nothing. And maybe that's one of the reasons that they feel like they've kind of got a monopoly. And you know what happens when a company has a monopoly in terms of pricing. But I had a six-cylinder one, so the smaller engine, still a very fast car, 315 horsepower, does not feel underpowered at all without the V8. And I had a beautiful blue one uh, convertible. And really enjoyed it, had a great time driving it, probably was in it a couple days on my one-week loan before I ever finally picked up the window sticker that was uh, in, the, uh, in the passenger seat area. Finally took a close look at it. Again, non-V8 Mustang, Alan. $50,300. Mm. That's what I think. So, no, wait, I'm sorry, $53,000. That's right. It was $53,000 for this non-V8 Mustang. So and I, I got to tell you, I was wow. a little flabbergasted when yeah. I saw that price. I'm like, I got to pay over fifty grand to not have a V8 in my Mustang? Now, again, wow. prices, the inflation is playing a role here. I yeah. do think monopoly is playing a role here. But I went back and looked because I was so, you know, astonished. I was like, what is going on with this thing's price? And if you look at the previous year, the Mustang went up substantially from 23 to 24 during this big air quotes redesign for the well, 2024. Well, and it could be, it also could be that they're banking, and that's a key word here, on the fact that there's not going to be a Camaro and they've got the, the only kind of yes. po- pony car, you might say. Because the last one, right? Because so Dodge, my, my title on my Forbes story, the yeah. first and last pony car. Yeah. It's the only one left right. now after uh, 60 years, whatever these things. Dang. But uh, I looked it up. 29,165 was the starting price for the coupe. 34,665 was the starting price for the convertible. 23, 24 starting price. Remember coupe was 30, 29,165, So it went up almost exactly $5,000 starting price for the convertible jumped from thirty four six six five forty three five forty, cool. it jumped almost exactly nine thousand dollars one year for the base. That's a non no loaded. That's oh, the base. oh, wait a minute. We we started the hour with the fact that the UAW strike is over, and this is what happens. <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> I know. Are they are all. they preceding the pricing <laughs> now? They're going to need to sell these cars up to pay all these higher wages. Maybe, right. Alan, yes. Yeah. Yes. And mine rang in it. Mine rang in it. I got the number right in front of me now. Fifty three four eighty five oh, for mine. Now gosh. it was nicely equipped. It had the. Uh, oh my it was a v6 i bought a gt500 for that oh my and a convertible at that yeah it was a convertible so that makes it more expensive it had a lot of nice options Mm. on it and all it was a great blue color and it's pretty i got the photos on my forbes article the car looks pretty Mm. but fifty three thousand dollars to not have okay i don't know man we started with praise the lord the strike is over And now here comes the side effects. You know, they talk about oily discharge and things like that from the pills. (laughs) Here's an oily discharge. (laughs) Thank you, Carl. (laughs) I'm sure the network's going to hate me for that one. All right, we got another hour to go. ICcars.com and uh, Forbes Autos. You can find all those stories there. I'm Alan Taylor. We'll be back with another hour. Stay with us. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 
9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged cross-trek wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, you know, by golly, I was uh, at the trade show called SEMA, uh, the Specialty Equipment Market Association, in Las Vegas last week. So if you heard the show last week, it was probably a best of. And uh, and George Kennedy third was supposed to be on. And then he says to me, I'm going to talk about a Honda Accord and a Honda Civic and and then I'm like, okay. And, and he goes, no, no, that was last week. Now I've already ended next vehicle. I mean, it's like this business moves so fast. You got to keep up with all these guys in their cars and gals. But the trade show I was just at was pretty much off the hook like always. But George Kennedy now joining us, who's the uh, co-founder of Cartender.com. He is also vice president of the New England Motor Press Association, and he contributes to U.S. News and World Report, Car Gurus, Forbes Wheels, and right here on The Drive. Following you on Facebook, you would think the A in SEMA stands for Alan. <laughs> right. Yeah, used to. Used to a little bit, but not anymore, buddy. You know what yeah, I was saying? I mean, you've been all over in the past, and it's cool to see how the show has evolved. And, yeah. You know, I'm sure you guys have talked about it on other segments, but it's it's really cool to see how it's kind of changing with the times. There's still some very questionable taste in, in some modification, but oh, yeah. you know, a lot of these vehicles are the, are the blank canvas for uh, anybody's imagination. Well, it's funny because even though I went to SEMA and I saw all these wild and crazy, you know, people and cars. I have to tell you that this one that you happen to be either driving or just got out of, the Audi RS e-tron GT, or maybe I got it backwards. I'm looking at a picture of it. No, you you got that right. You got that right. Okay. This thing is hotter than a hot. I'm telling you, I'm looking at it. If if it was at SEMA, it would have won awards. It is downright throw down hot so i it, tell it us about really it really sharp yeah. yeah yeah so i mean this is e-tron is audi's lineup of electric vehicles the rs e-tron gt is going to be its hottest high performance four-door sports car type thing it's the coupe sedan blend it's built off the same chassis as the porsche Taycan, the electric porsche and what's funny is that my brother, who is a Porsche owner, he owns a 1996 or 97 air-cooled 993 convertible, and he was driving home from work, and he saw a Porsche Taycan pass him on the highway. He's like, oh, that is a sharp-looking car. He asked me about it, and he was shocked to find out that he he basically had approved visually without knowing it of, of an electric car. <laughs> and, uh, and I imagine if he likes the way that the – Taycan looks that he'd like the way that it drives and he would really approve of if he's a Porsche owner he'll approve the way that the RS e-tron GT handles and drives it mm. is a sharp looking sharp handling performance electric machine so it kind of took a little bit of the lust 
out of the word luster for me when you said that, <laughs> because I am an internal combustion, you know, loving fool, if I could say that. But this car does not look like an electric car at all. It's very low slung. It looks like something that will just literally carve through the twisties like it's on a rail. And I have to imagine you're about to tell us all about it, that it probably did. But I like the fact that it doesn't look like an electric car because for a while it just looked like there was bars of soap. They, all the cars look like bar of soap trying to slip through the air, trying to be more efficient. But this one, yes, it looks efficient, but it looks like it's going to kick your ass in the process. You know? <laughs> so that sort of defying expectations comes from a couple of things. One is that a lot of EVs are sport utility vehicles because those are profit centers for yeah. the automakers. So right. if they know that they can get a better profit from making a, an SUV electric vehicle, they're going to do that. This is a, a sedan for sure. And those bars of soap, yeah. I mean, Mercedes with the EQ lineup, I think, comes to mind of they're going after – optimized efficiency. They're trying to find the lowest drag coefficient possible. When Audi has said time and again that they're going after that, but what they're also trying to do is make sure that the performance DNA of its vehicle still remains in check. So all right, all right, hold what tight. you're not going to find here... Yeah. I was going to say, i got to take a break, but I'm going to play a song because you, <laughs> you said you said that, it, you know, that everybody, and you agreed with me that a lot of these cars, they look just like a bar of soap, just kind of rounded off. They didn't really have any personality. This is a song from Chickenfoot called Soap on a Rope. And I think that Audi is literally going to hang all those bars of soap. They're going to be hanging in the shower on a little piece of rope because this is an all-new, newfangled. Uh, this one gets the juices flowing of a internal combustion car guy. George Kennedy's going to tell us all about it, what it costs, and the rest of it after this. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. I'm Alan Taylor. I'll tell you what, George Kennedy joining us right now. George Kennedy III, freelance automotive journalist, driving the Audi RS e-tron GT, an absolutely delicious-looking car. And, George, I'm sorry I had to cut you off. You were talking about efficiency versus performance. So many of these car companies, are all they can think about right now is efficiency where Audi is staying true to something that they are really good at, which is performance. So pick it up from there. 
And that's something that automakers are going to struggle with going forward, and that is so much of their advertising, so much of their promotion is based around making best-in-class claims or benchmarking and using certain metrics. We're sort of entering a new world when it comes to electric performance and figuring out what the right mix is going to be. So right. the RS is Audi's high-performance line. The e-tron GT is, its, is basically the, the standard version of this electric sedan. So the RS e-tron GT is the, the top of the line for this particular vehicle and it makes up to 637 horsepower in boost mode from its from its multiple motors so it's got four-wheel steering oh, it can do man. zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds and it still has a range of 249 miles which isn't bad considering the performance yeah yeah well and that'll change of course we're going into winter here and depending on where you live cold weather not so great for electric cars and electronics in general but the thing is that I believe that as we continue to move down this road to the electrification of automobiles, the batteries, and Toyota's already started talking about it, that they've got a battery thing that'll, you know, charge in like 10 minutes and give you a, like, a, I don't know, a thousand miles or something. Don't quote me on that. But it's going to continue to get better. And then it'll make a big, big difference because I still, to me, 250 miles, I do that every day, you know? So now let me ask you something. How much does this vehicle cost? The Audi RS e-tron GT, beautiful. How much? Yeah, so I think we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of $143,000 oh, wow, uh, for this sir. range topping model. Yeah, so Whew. the e-tron GT, the standard e-tron GT has a price of around $105,000. So, Man. you know, the prestige trim, the mid-tier trim of that model, $111,000. So this is just sort of the natural progression in terms of performance. Good Lord. Well, here's the deal. I mean, as everyone knows, at this point, the internal combustion engine and automobile has gone as far as it can just about possibly go with my Dodge Demon 170, 1,025 horsepower, gets good fuel economy. Of course, when you want the power, there it is. And so then, of course, here we are now at the pinnacle of the internal combustion engine, and here comes the beginnings and not really the beginnings, because there's been a lot of electrics for a long time with cars, but the beginnings of battery technology and all that, at least. So it's going to continue to get better. And they could easily make this vehicle a thousand horsepower. But here's the thing. They have to have room to grow. You can't just start at the top. You got to have room to grow. Now, I will say this could be the most beautiful sedan on the road. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think this car is good looking, then you might also approve of the Porsche Taycan. I mean, it's sort yeah. of a, a pick your own adventure. They have similar yep. profiles. I love the presence of this car. It just seems to have, you know, very wide fenders, a low slung stance. It's just a menacing front end design. And it backs it up with just really impressive handling abilities. We were driving out in Western Connecticut, and the regen braking is so active that if you were driving downhill long enough, it's adding miles to the range. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we had it in, in the most aggressive drive setting, and it was just an absolute blast to drive, carving up back road New England, curving roads, and it was, it was an absolute pleasure. I think that if you are a performance enthusiast and your name's not Alan Taylor and you're married to internal <laughs> combustion, I think you're really going to have a fun time driving this car. Oh, 
I love that. Well, I'm not married to it, but it is my uh, preferred. Fine, you you, you know? you've shotgun wedding elope to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but look at when they start building cars that look like this, and as soon as the battery technology is improved, and I can see a clear path to me driving into a, in this case, an Audi dealer, and in 45 minutes they've flopped a brand new battery in there as part of a some sort of a 10 year warranty thing. That's what I'm looking for in these vehicles is I don't want to worry about what to do with this gigantic battery. Lithium batteries right now is a problem. People don't want to mess with them. Imagine a battery that's, you know, weighs a thousand pounds. You know, it's still something I have to consider. All right, let's take a break. Uh, George, this car is beautiful. Again, it's the Audi RS e-tron GT. If you got about 140,000 bucks, you can get the loaded model. I think it's probably one of the most beautiful sedans on the road right now. We'll be right back. Stay with us. More George Kennedy, if you can stand it. And it's a hot one, like seven inches from the midday sun. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. All right, so if you can't afford, you know, like the $100,000 to $140-ish thousand dollar Audi RS e-tron GT, how about we lower the bar of entry a little bit to the Honda Civic Type R, which... The last time I drove one was about five years ago. George Kennedy's here, George Kennedy III, and he has had the latest iteration in his hands. George, I remember I was on a little racetrack in uh, Palm Springs, California, just shredding that track with the uh, Honda Civic Type R. Is the current new version of it as good as the last one, or is it better? It's fantastic. You and I talked about the Acura Integra Type S a few weeks ago, and these right. two cars are very similar. This is essentially just a more focused, slightly more focused. I mean, it, it, both cars, I think, are, you know, put up similar numbers. Uh, turbocharged inline four with 315 horsepower. Wow. Uh, Six-speed manual transmission with rev matching. So mm. it'll get you the perfect rev for when you go to change gears. And this car feels a bit more a little snot nose. It's got this uh, fixed <laughs> spoiler on the back roof. It's based on the Honda Civic hatchback. And sure. I kind of wish they either did the sedan or if they had come out with a coupe version. I mean, this is this, the same idea as, as the, the RSE Tron GT, where it's kind of a coupe, it's kind of a sedan. This is a hatchback. It just kind of gives it, it makes it more functional as a daily driver, but it just is less, I don't know, sexy. <laughs> snot-nosed okay that made me sit there and smile for a couple of minutes because who's going to buy this car first of all how much is it we're talking about a honda civic to begin with but then you put type r to it and you said it 315 horsepower did i hear that right 315 yeah I don't, it's impressive what they're doing out of uh, turbo Lord. fours um yeah. so this starts at forty three 
thousand dollars and change. Well, only it's a hundred. Like it's a hundred thousand less than the Audi, by the way. So that's a better price. I know. But, and and for comparison, whew. the base model Civic starts at around twenty five grand. Right. And consider what you get for that. I mean, people think, oh, Civic compact car, entry level car for Honda. A Civic sedan is as large as an Accord sedan was like fifteen years ago. That's funny. These cars man. have gotten larger. The Accord, the the, the Honda Civic is spacious, refined. It's by far the nicest small car in the segment. And then you add to it this, this once again, snot-nosed powertrain and these chassis upgrades, and you've got this incredibly refined yet very punchy daily driver. Well, and, and that's it, because the car was born out of enthusiasts hopping up the base car, putting, you know, like a Jackson turbocharger on it. And because I, I listen, I remember my daughter's boyfriend doing this kind of stuff. You know, what has it been 10 years ago? And they were hot little cars. This is the um, kind of the sport compact street racing kind of, you know, crazy. Like you said, it's not in those kids. But today, $43,000 for a Honda Civic, people would think you're crazy. So, Here's the question. Who buys this car? That's a lot of money, isn't it, for that? Yeah, I mean, think about the fact that folks who perhaps were raised up by playing video games first. Right. Right? If you get in this car, it's very digital forward. It's not sort of the analog experience that we would talk about behind the wheel of a Toyota GR86 or a Mazda MX-5 Miata. This feels more like a video game. So think kids who... You know, we're grew up playing video games in the in the early two thousands and now and now they've got high paying jobs, right? They they've got a dot com job, and so they can buy the best of the best version of that. I wonder. This obviously, oh, it's kind of a here's what you can do if you've got bank to a Honda Civic. You can buy a Type R from the factory that'll keep up, you know, on the track, I would think, with some of these tuners that have done it from, you know, from the base model. It's just, but it still just seems like a whole lot of money, and you're still driving a Honda Civic. So, I don't know. It's just my my take on it. Well, it's backed by a warranty, and I would say the same thing, but in a positive light. You're driving a Honda Civic. That's reliable. Again, yes. Largely fuel efficient. Spacious. And I say again, reliable. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and with a factory back warranty, right? It, you know, and it could be, it could be, this is probably a best way to end this segment, is that the young people do not want to be pretentious in what they're driving. Maybe they could afford that Audi RS e-tron GT, but they buy the Honda Civic Type R because not everybody knows what it is. It's called Stealth Wealth. 300 horsepower, or, it's crazy. Or, or if boomers are dropping 120K on a GTO judge at Barrett-Jackson, yeah, yeah, yeah. this looks like a pretty affordable alternative. <laughs> well, that, that's true. <laughs> I, you know, and, and Barrett-Jackson coming up in January, that is, and they're actually increasing everything they're doing. Now there's, on the first week, there's, I think, foreigners playing. They're going to hold concert. And they're turning this event, this Barrett-Jackson collector car auction event, I think because of their partners, into a extravaganza of all things automotive, including music, celebrities, new cars, electric cars, electric, I hate to even say the words together, electric classic cars these days. Uh, <laughs> that, you know. Yeah, I met, that must have made a little, little, little bit of vomit come up in the back of your throat. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that visual. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, 
There's a couple of uh, <laughs> high-performance versions, uh, but neither one of them is cheap. Uh, with, you know, forty-three grand for a Honda Civic Type R, a fantastic machine, but uh, still, I think uh, for now, my pick for the most beautiful sedan on the road right now, new cars, is this Audi RS e-tron GT. Go check one out. Just Google it. RS e-tron GT. It's gorgeous. Thank you, George. Hey, Alan. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America and around the daggone world. Talking about what's going on in the car industry. You know, with a world at war the way it is, kind of. Because even though the, the, the war is in Israel, we're seeing people, you know, battling it out here on, on our soil as well. It's kind of hard to have fun. And, and our job, my job, and the folks that are on the show, we love what we do. We have fun. But it hasn't been really that fun lately, I got to tell you, because of all the crap that's going on. Lauren Fix is joining us, Car Coach. She's the Car Coach, and she reports. And that's where you find her on the web, carcoachreports.com. Lauren, yeah. I Honestly, I got to turn the news off, and I know you and I talk about this offline a lot. But the news mm-hmm. creates incredible anxiety that I don't like because I feel, I feel helpless. I feel helpless for everyone, everyone involved, and even those not involved. So um, it, it takes the fun out of it. But then I know you bring news to the table here that also takes some of the fun out of it because, because of what they're trying to do, like how the, the automakers now are going to be not only collecting our data but selling our data. And then the last thing we talked about, which I noticed that the views on one of your videos that we talked about what was it? It was like, and I, and I was like, my God, you were like three quarters of a million people had watched this. It was yeah. some bill that was passing, well, you know? Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm going to do an update on it over the weekend. You'll probably see it post, but here's what's going on. First off, your car data has been grabbing information about you for years, literally. Now you think, oh, sure, it knows where I go or no, knows about the car. True, but you also know that it tracks everything, including your sex life and your politics. Don't- And everything in between. I'm not kidding you. It's crazy. The data it collects is nuts. So you've heard of Firefox. It's a browser, but they're owned by a company called Mozilla. And they have a foundation. They studied 25 car brands and found that some of them are collecting data 
and your sexual activity, your political opinions, and even more, and then selling it. So it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who gave wow. you permission? Well, you signed up for Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, SiriusXM, the navigation system. You signed the bottom line and the agreement. And you would be shocked. Literally every brand, this every brand. Well, is, is this, does this have anything to do with the dangling Chad? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's all. Well, maybe. Let me think about that. That, that could have triggered some of this um, issues that we have, maybe. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. How do they know? I mean, I guess it's conversations you're having maybe with your friends on the phone or, mm-hmm. or your wife or husband or... Or what? How do right. they? I don't in get it. In the car? It. Yeah. They're listening in the car. Okay. Well, good Lord. How about this? Nissan includes in their agreement, you know, the, what the big print gives, the small print taketh away, as I've said for years. Right. <laughs> Nissan includes sexual activity in your data it collects. Kia notes that it can collect data information about your sex life in their privacy policy. It also says special categories of data, including information about your race, your ethnicity, your religion, your political preferences, and your philosophical beliefs, your sexual orientation, your sex life, and your political opinions, and your trade union membership. Good Lord. I thought maybe because when the car gets... And they're not just keeping it and filing it. We've asked. I've actually asked the brands, what do you do with that data? Oh, we keep it to improve our cars. Yeah, and I'm the queen of England. You're selling it, and you're using it to try and get me into the right vehicle. I get it. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, we see that you uh, your um, defrost has come on while the car was idling for two hours uh, up on the, uh, the at the oh. Notel Motel. Your uh, carbon, your carbon <laughs> footprint just went up. <laughs> and uh, so you need the fully reclining seats, I guess. From now on, we'll be uh, marketing that to you because of. Data gathered. Oh my gosh! What a bizarre. Oh yeah. World Think about. Yeah. So it knows where you go. Use SiriusXM. Use Google Maps. Use Apple Maps. Use any kind of map. Waze, which is owned by Google. They know all this. And while the car industry has been focusing on shifting from gas and diesel to battery electric and using that as the cover story, they don't tell you that they're also saying, "Well, we do software uploads." Alan, don't don't bring your car to the dealer. We'll upload the new maps automatically to your navigation. You'll be totally fine. Well, while they're downloading, they're also uploading your data. You plug in your phone, they got the data off your phone. I don't care if you got a password or not. You plugged your phone into the car. Mm. The data is transferred. Oh. That means they have way more about you than you want to admit. Oh, my gosh. So when you know, plug your true. phone into the real, car. This is real numbers. I didn't like make this stuff up. You can look it up. It's called the Mozilla Foundation, M-O-Z-I-L-A. They've been running all kinds of studies. They found only a couple brands that don't collect your uh, data. And the sad part is those brands aren't even sold in the U.S. What what a strange! I mean, George Orwell comes to mind. Big Brother, watching. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. If you haven't read the book, if you can still find it, and they haven't <laughs> taken it off the bookshelves or altered it to make it woke, make sure to check one out. Oh my gosh! You better hold on to your original copy. I think I have mine still on my bookshelf from when I was in high school. <laughs> but but it, it's crazy. By the way, the two brands that don't collect your data are Renault, which is a French company, and Dacia. 
which is a Chinese company. But don't worry, the Chinese already know what's going on because that's what they've been doing for years. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you own a Tesla, yeah. you think, oh, they're not doing that. You know those cameras that are all over the Tesla? Yeah. Well, they're disabled in China because they were banned by the Chinese military, because you were going to your Chinese military facilities. But China mandates it so that they can track where you are, because you know China does that. It's all about control of the oh, people. Yeah, yeah. But they are tracking you here in the U.S. and every other country. Well, I can tell you that when I was in China back in 2019, I went to Tiananmen Square. Cameras everywhere. And I thought to myself. Oh, yeah. They well, knew you were there, how long you were there, where you were oh, standing, yeah. if you were hungry, if they had to go to the bathroom. They probably knew that, too. Oh, my God. That's when I had my gallbladder problem. I, I wish they would have sent me something for that. All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> they you can, probably knew. <laughs> yeah, they probably did. Lauren Fix, the car coach, uh, carcoachreports.com. We'll be right back with more. She's got a video that she we should update us on this that has almost three quarters of a million views talking about this kind of stuff don't go anywhere we'll we'll talk to her about it be right back this message comes to you from our sponsor subaru discover the all-new 2024 subaru crosstrek wilderness with exclusive technology and safety features it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability standard symmetrical all-wheel drive 9.3 inches of ground clearance 182 horsepower subaru boxer engine and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged cross-trek wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. Little sister, don't you? Uh, little sister, don't you get all fired up? Well, it's too late. Lauren Fix, kind of like my little sister, like BJ and a couple other of the gals in this business that are, uh, whoo, you don't want to mess with them, uh, especially when it comes to uh, stuff like like the last one, they're selling your data. I, I so appreciate you uh, doing the homework and finding all this stuff. It's, it's just really good. It's important. People need to know it. The, you were on about, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, we talked about this whole thing with the kill switches, how they, they can actually stop your car or keep you from driving your car. And there's there's an update on that, but I, I noticed the the like almost three quarters of a million views. So people are, I don't think people are happy about this. Maybe a little update from you. No, because what was snuck into that infrastructure plan that was put out two years ago, you know, the 1100 page thing that had to be passed overnight, which no one read. Right. In the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill yep. was a line, section 24220, that said there's a kill switch. Now, I brought this to attorneys and talked to a whole bunch of people, and they're like, oh, well, it's kind of vague. It's written vague for a reason, people. Mm. It's written vague because of kill switches. Now, what does this mean? This means if you're driving down the road and the car thinks, because remember, we're all connected, that you, you swerved around an animal that was in the road. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you grabbed your cup of coffee and you kind of went outside your lane a little bit, or... Maybe you had to avoid something in the roadway, a carcass from a retreaded tire or something. It's going to go, whoa, ho, Alan, are you under the influence of something? We're going to pull you over. <laughs> oh, my God. So you think, well, how? okay, that's one scenario. But they're also checking, and they're already doing this, scanning your eyes. When you start your car, the push button will now, as of 2026, mandated, will detect whether you have alcohol or some substance in your system. So you may go, well, I smoke marijuana. I don't, but that's your choice. 
maybe that's one of them. Maybe you had a drink before you went somewhere, or you had alcohol from a cough medicine, or maybe you have to take a prescription medication that the doctor requires you to take, and your car won't start. Mm. That is a problem. So now, I've been putting this out there, and we're almost about three quarters of a million views. People are on fire. I have to like go through all the comments because I had to stop some, there's a lot of dirty words. Um, <laughs> but, so Thomas Massey, who's a House Republican, brought to the floor to have this removed because somebody brought it to his attention. I have a feeling it's one of my friends who knows him that, hey, this kill switch rule is in this 24-220. So he brought it to the House floor literally on Tuesday night wow. of this past week. Wow. And House Republicans helped the Democrats, who all in lockstep voted for the kill switch mandate, that could shut down your vehicle. Why? So first you're thinking, why? Wait a minute, wait a minute. The kill switch is written in words of, if you're drinking alcohol, we're trying to cut down on drunk driving. Well, there's all kinds of breathalyzers and locks that they can put on, and they've been doing that for years. They're saying, no, no, we're going to be able to detect it now. You can't start the car. Listen, anyone who's smart, who knows how to drink, will have someone in the passenger seat who doesn't drink, and they use their fingertip to start the car. Right. We're not stupid. People aren't <laughs> stupid. They have no ways to get around systems. However, this kill switch is in the ECU or the computer of your car. It's not you can just go pull, fuse, or switch. So the House Republicans failed to defund the federal kill switch mandate on Tuesday night for all vehicles produced in 2026 and onward. It's a featured technology that automatically disables your vehicle if any impairment is detected at any time, mm. at any time. So you're driving along, all is good. Your, your daughter's by herself. She's driving home from school and maybe, I don't know, she sneezes. Oh, oh that's it. Car pulls over and shuts off. I'd be concerned to have a child of any male or female in the car by themselves waiting for you to come get them because your car won't start. Well, and that's absurd. Listen, You're talking about a safety disaster coming. Well, and what if your wife is having a baby since I'm a man and my, my yes. wife has. Had or you're four. having a stroke or a heart attack. Well, or and, you're, and you're you need, to the, yeah, to the hospital. That, oh, you're speeding. There you go. You can't speed. That's the thing. It, let's just say you're in an emergency situation. And so, yeah, you're maybe driving a little bit erratically because my wife's giving birth in the seat next to me. So right. all of a sudden it pulls me over, you know, or like you said, you know, or maybe I, I the car off. cut off two, yeah. three fingers or something. I'm driving a little funky because, you know, yeah. And it cuts me out and I bleed to death. We've so also, I've I, done that. I've cut myself bad enough to have to go to the hospital and drove myself. Yeah, I have too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is so a So this lays the groundwork for corporate and government access to monitor and interfere with your personal movement. Ah, much like that of the data collection. Right. It was a vote of 229 to 201 in the chamber. They rejected the amendment proposed by Kentucky Republican Representative Thomas Massey to defund and mandate the embedded 2021 Infrastructure Investment in Jobs Act, which is a joke. Massey measured, uh, said that there was 210 no votes. The Democrats passed it by 19, and just two Democrats supported the amendment. So know what they used to try and get it through? Then if you vote for this, if you vote to take this off, you approve of drunk driving. I know. That's absurd. These I people know. are nuts. You said They're only, absolutely crazy. You said only two Democrats voted for it. You probably meant only two Republicans. Two, two Democrats voted for it, yeah. But a lot of the 19 Republicans voted for it because they're oh. blinded. 
Oh. But they're blind. Well, they have drivers. You know, like you and I, we actually drive. <laughs> I, so, I interviewed. Of, it was passed, though, by saying it was the advanced drunk driving and impairment prevention yeah. technology as standard equipment in vehicles. And the provision requires such technology to passively monitor the performance of a driver and prevent or limit the motor vehicle operation of an impaired vehicle as detected. In other words, the manufacturers will be required to implement a kill switch mechanism on the car that can disable the vehicle based on your performance. Oh boy. Now you're, you're going to like this. I interviewed Barbara Walters in, in the year 20, I think it was 2020. No, I was on her show 2020. I was on, what was the name of that show? It's still on the air. Uh, the view, the view when it first I was started on the view as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and they had me on to talk about this new thing coming out called a hybrid. Right, it was yeah. a, it was a, uh, the Prius, but she didn't even have a car. She, she had to drive her. She goes, they should make those. I go, they are. It's right here. She goes, well, I don't know. I don't even drive. And then Jackie Stewart, she didn't even have a license. Sir Jackie Stewart, the race car driver. I said, what do you drive when you're not driving? He goes, I don't drive. People are too crazy. <laughs> we'll take a break. That's Lauren Fix is here. You can find all this at her uh, website, uh, CarCoachReports.com, or her. Uh, YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. I get no Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And a woman with the exact same credentials, Lauren Fix, only she's got more because she's actually on, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Lauren, you're on the board or, or, or juror or both on uh, North American Car and Truck of the Year too, right? Yeah, I'm a past president and board member of North American Car and Truck of the Year jury, and I'm the World Car Juror. Oh, geez. Well, see, so you... you I got a lot. You, Yeah, yeah I got a lot. Yeah, you do. <laughs> no, I'm All just right. buried with work. It's, it's crazy. My husband's like, you're going to sleep? I go, no, I got to get work to do. <laughs> well, it's funny because, I mean, in the commercial break, she's like, I'm going to do an update on this right, right here in the hotel room. She's actually at a BMW event in South Carolina right now. And yep. she had to leave the event to go to the hotel room to call and, and do this. So thank you for doing that. All right. So what you is know, the update? Yeah, I got a chance to drive the Rolls-Royce Spectre, which is really cool. It's an all-electric yeah. vehicle. I'll have a full review posting on my website. Nothing like buying a half-a-million-dollar SUV. That's like a house. I know. I know I people know. that – my son paid less than that for his house. I know. A couple That's years crazy. Ago. It's insane. That's ridiculous. 
But oh. I guess it's all relative, right? That's if you've exactly. got a million dollars, someone's got two million dollars. If you are a billionaire, someone's a trillionaire, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, but there's Mini Coopers here and the full line of BMWs, and we got a plant tour in South Carolina as well, and I'll put up the plant tour as well as a bunch of reviews. I think I did like four reviews today. I'm, I'm plowed. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, speaking of that, you said, you know, something about uh, California, and you said I got an update on, on what was going on in California. Remind me of that. What was that? Yeah, California is going to try and eliminate gasoline-powered vehicles. Ah, that's and right. uh, the House passed a rule, and we discussed this in the past. They actually got it passed, bipartisan support, for the House to say, hey, you know what, you know, this is not going to work. Well, it went to the Senate. We now have bipartisan support from Joe Manchin. And the update is now called the CARS Act. Hmm. So that's Choice in Automobile Retail Sales Act. It's been read right on the floor three times. We are waiting for it to come up for a vote, but I think they're not going to vote on it unless they're going to get it through. What's interesting, you're getting support from the NADA, the National Auto Dealers Association, but people are really upset. I mean, representatives out of Idaho, Nebraska, a lot of, they don't want to be forced into doing this. West Virginia, other states are like, well, wait a minute, because if California mandates it, so does 17 other states. And they're not going to build a car for 17 states or one state. They're going to build it for all states. So if they're going to build only EVs, Again, we were talking about kill switches and data. That means that you don't have any choices. Mm. Basically, you have to drive what they have in Russia, which is called the Lada. That is the state vehicle. Everybody gets a Lada. You get in line to get a Lada. You pay for it. And it is a boring piece of garbage. Mm. However, but I mean, how many people are driving Ladas? If you saw what they look like in person, you'd be like, seriously? I'm not getting in that thing. <laughs> you know. But uh, they're not exactly. great cars. But... It's because the government gets involved. When they get their fingers involved in private industry, it's always a disaster. And this is just another one of them. So hopefully, whoever you live in this entire country, contact your elected representatives. Tell them what you want. Tell them you want to remove the kill switches. If you don't say anything, it's going to pass. They're going to bring it back up on the floor again. I've got uh, outreach right now to Thomas Massey to try and get a hold of him, maybe an interview, whatever we can do to, to get the word out. In addition... Contact your senators. Tell them we want to pass this bill. I want to be able to buy what I want, or you're not getting my vote. How about yeah, that? Yeah. I don't care where you are, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever, non-registered. Listen, you should have choices. You can only have a protein burger made of crickets. You can't have a hamburger. You know, I don't want to be told that's coming next. They'll do whatever they can if you don't say something. You need to say something because they think if you don't say anything, you're happy with what they're doing. <laughs> right. And you know what? If you don't want to drive a lot of, and you say, well, how much does it cost? A lot of money, probably. Oh, nah. you know? oh it does. And it's not a good car. It's not a Gouda car. <laughs> <laughs> Made of Gouda cheese. Oh, Gosh. that could be good. <laughs> now, so uh, you're out there driving BMWs, Rolls Royce. Um, is there and anything minis. that, the, and minis, is there anything that stuck out real quick in your mind that was like, ooh, that was nice? Just curious. You know, I still I mean, love the Mini. I drove a Mini manual, just a John Cooper Works car, just to run around today to, to do a radio show. I had to do another radio show. Got in a car, said, let's go for a drive and park it somewhere. What a fun car. Yeah. What a fun, fun car. You can't go wrong with a Mini. Uh, and then I got to drive the Rolls with crazy horsepower. And then in between, I drove the BMW X5, which is all new, and the 5 Series. So mm. both are all new. They've got the new i um, iDrive 8.5 system. Really, really nice. Nice. Lots of improvements for BMW. You're going to see even more cool stuff coming, including hydrogen. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, carcoachreports.com. You can find her on Twitter or X now, at Lauren Fix. 
and her YouTube channel, which she's making videos constantly. Uh, head to YouTube and just uh, look for Car Coach Reports. Um, thank you, Lauren. Anytime, Alan. Ah, well, then we'll do it more often. All right. (laughs) That's it for me, everybody. Thanks. Uh, See you next week. It's The Drive. See you then. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now, Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full-throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475-horsepower Durango SRT392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.